1: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
0: Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at f one pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay.
1: And good day, good night. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that is sometimes up to speed with Formula One. Mark, it's been a rough few weeks with the move to a new place and a brand new studio you can now catch us live on youtube anywhere you get your podcast as well brand new studio with new audio new sound new equipment and mark we have a brand new world champion as well
2: yeah, it was uh, quite uh, the the way that uh, things wrapped up there in Mexico last weekend. Uh, of course, it's been like you say, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. You've been moving. It seems everybody I know seems to be moving at the this point in time. In November.
1: But, why? Why? I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's a reason. <laughs>
2: Yeah, November's not usually the time of year that you expect to, to hear people are moving, but apparently it's a thing this year. But you you did mention that uh, we have a brand new world champion in, well, it's not exactly an old, uh, well, it is an old face, it's not a new face, but it is Lewis Hamilton who clinched having, well, it was not the way that we really expected it to to, to play out in Mexico. There was a, a coming together between Sebastian Vettel and uh, Lewis Hamilton in turn three, and they dropped all the way back down to the bottom of the racing order and and Lewis didn't really claw his way back up to the top as much as uh, as Vettel did but at the end of the day just the the points differential just was uh, enough for for Lewis uh, to to seal it and four times world champion an impressive accomplishment for the briton
1: no it has been an impressive season for Lewis Hamilton, especially how they turned things around after a hot start by Ferrari, and a lot of points racked up really early by Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton with some reliability issues at that point with Mercedes, and uh, they finally found a way to turn things around and dominated the second and third quarter of the season really heavily, and the last quarter is basically non-existent competitively, uh, but at least you get new... Like there's new narratives. Yeah, we knew Hamilton was going to win. It's been a few months now that we knew that Hamilton was going to win, but the narrative of Oh Verstappen literally becoming really strong now, and with the showing he did in the last few win, last few races, with the win in Mexico, you know, it does give some hope that next year Red Bull might be closer to the Mercs than we think.
2: Yeah, and I, I think you raise a couple of good points here. I think that if uh, people that maybe have not been following the entire year take a look at the the way that uh, things are wrapping up right now, Mercedes win the Constructors' Championship, Lewis Hamilton wins the Drivers' Championship, they might think, well, gosh, you know, this is the reason why I'm not watching Formula One, because it's status quo, and it's just Mercedes blowing everybody away. But as you say, there's been several interesting storylines developing, not just from the beginning of the season, but uh, throughout the season. And uh, I guess the the one real interesting was uh, one is when uh, you had Ferrari kind of come out of really nowhere uh, to really challenge Mercedes in the first half of the season. And like you say, since the summer break and since Monza have really tailed off, it's been uh, the, the Red Bulls that have really sort of picked things up. So we, okay sure we know who the world champion is for this year in both the world uh, the, uh, the the drivers championship and the constructors championship but it really leaves a lot of questions on the table what's it going to be like for for next year how competitive will ferrari be have mercedes figured it out have they got that edge on everybody else again and have red bull rejoined the top 2 or 3 instead of being that kind of bridge between ferrari and mercedes to everybody else
1: no, it will be fascinating, and, and next year, like, we're not expecting a lot of changes in the hierarchy of Formula One heading into next year. I think the Mercs, Ferrari, and Red Bull will be probably in that order, but the differences between each other will, will be smaller, the gap will be smaller, and I think the gap with what might be known as Force One, or I don't know how, what name it will have, but the team, maybe formerly known the Force India, next year uh, will have maybe some competition to, to for fourth as well with Renault, with the rise of Renault, right? And you never know what can happen. There's crazy rumors, Mark, today. It, like those rumors are not founded whatsoever. But there was even a rumor today that Porsche bought Red Bull Racing. You know, and you never know what can happen in the crazy world of Formula One, and. One thing we know is going to happen this year, uh, we're, we're going to Brazil, so it's kind of, a, of interesting to talk about it. For the second year in a row, Felipe Massa will retire, <laughs> and for the second year in a row, we will have a send-off in Brazil. Well, this time it's going to be for
2: real, and it was really oh, emotional hopefully. last year. when I mean, that was just a bizarre race to begin with. I mean, it was absolute torrential rain in Sao Paulo and they they stopped the race. Well, I can't even remember how many times now, but it seemed every time that you'd bat an eye, there was a red flag for for, for one reason or another. But yeah, it was uh, Massa who came out of that final turn and got a little bit loose and put his car into the wall and had that really memorable long and slow walk from Basically, the beginning of the pit lane all the way back to the the, the, the Williams garage. <laughs> with, with every mechanic out
1: clapping in yeah. the pit lane while Felipe Massa walking down. It was almost too much. I was almost like, all right, enough. Enough already. Back to racing, you know.
2: <laughs> it was a, a, a rather interesting uh, and unique moment. And I wonder if uh, he'll get a similar treatment this year. it be like everybody give him a thumbs up or something. You know, Felipe, we did this last year. We love you. But... You know we we can't do this to <laughs> can't do this each and every year, but
1: yeah, you, you over you're welcome. We did it last year. Come on, we can't do this again. Come on, let's go. Good job, but uh, move on. Go home already. Yeah,
2: well, it really uh, begs the question too: who will get that second seat for for Williams next year? Is, is it going to be Lance Stroll and somebody else? Is it going to be two completely new drivers? So uh, it, it'll be really I, something to watch over the next uh, couple of months, or perhaps we will have a, an answer sooner rather than later.
1: Maybe Lance Stroll, Robert Kubica? Maybe maybe that seems likely at the moment?
2: Well, I mean, the, the Kubica rumor has really sort of been out there for, for a long time, and I mean, he's certainly answered a lot of questions as to whether or not he's uh, strong enough and fit enough to drive a Formula One car, and I mean, he's done a number of tests over this past year. I mean, he was a, a very good driver in Formula One in, in the time when he raced there. Not not really all that long ago, if you think about it, but uh, considering the quantum leap that Formula One technology goes through almost on a yearly basis, the amount of time that he's been out of the sport is you know obviously very substantial. But if he's competitive, as uh, his lap time seem to suggest, and all the positive feedback that you've got from teams like Williams and Renault, also seem to suggest that uh, perhaps Robert Kubica back to Formula 1 with uh, Williams is not perhaps the biggest stretch of the imagination.
1: No, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, or a Paul DiResta, maybe, who impressed a lot of people this year when he was asked to take over Felipe Massa's car when Felipe was ill, and he was able to perform decently in a car not suited for him whatsoever and being away from a Formula 1 car for a few years, so that was impressive. And speaking of impressive, I've been impressed by Brendan Hartley last few races for Toro Rosso. And uh, what's going to be interesting is him maybe next year with Toro Rosso with a brand new lineup of maybe Pierre Gasly and Brendan Hartley for the entire season. Well, that could be possible. So, uh, you know, a lot of driver change in the silly season, which has already begun, to be quite honest, for a few weeks now.
2: Well, it's a little bit unprecedented if you think about it. I mean, first of all, you had the whole Honda-McLaren saga that sort of ended up uh, being, well, you, well, the way that it sort of played out eventually, this big drama, was the Honda engines are now going to be supplied to, to Toro Rosso and uh, McLaren get the works Renault engines in return and they also get uh, Carlos Sainz on a, on, a, on a loan deal, basically and they, they boot out uh, poor old Julian Palmer, who's kind of been had his uh, Formula One career on life support, basically, for the, the better part of a year and a half. For, for, he says, for its he's entirety. Really hung in there.
1: <laughs> like, ever since it started, his career has been on life support.
2: Poor Julian. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But, I mean, that th- that was a bit odd as it was, but when you look then at what, what was happening with science's old team, Toro Rosso, you have almost this revolving door of late-season auditions. You get Danny Kvyat, who gets dropped again from a Formula One team. I guess he's about the only person that I think I've ever really known of that's been <laughs> dropped know, by two different Formula One
1: teams in two different years. I know one but, guy who likes when Kvyat gets dropped, and that's Max Verstappen. This is Max that's Verstappen. the third time. It's the third time that it happens where Kvyat gets replaced for a Grand Prix no matter the reason, either gets demoted or replaced. And turns out Verstappen wins that race. You know, twice this year, once last year.
2: Yeah, and uh, I I would think that if there was ever any doubt that uh, definitely Max Verstappen will never receive a Christmas card or a birthday present from from the Torpedo because, I mean, his uh, career in Formula 1 obviously seems to be completely over now, which seemed to happen rather rapidly because if you think back as recently as the British Grand Prix in the middle of the summer... There was uh, suggestions then that uh, the Toro Rosa were looking to uh, either extend his current deal or work out a new one for him for for, uh, for 2018. And uh, at this point, at the beginning of November, only uh, a couple of months further down the road, it looks as though he is completely done in, in Formula One. But as you say, the the guys that have come in, uh, Pierre Gasly and uh, and Brendan Hartley, have both impressed in the, the, the races that they've uh, put in for Toro Rosso, but that was uh, rather odd in <laughs> in Mexico, the way that it kind of uh, played out with the uh, the uh, qualifying, with the, the cars blowing up and Gasly not even getting into the car and then sort of sitting there on the pit wall watching the television only to pull on his overalls to run back into the garage to look like maybe he was going to get out there and drive, but then actually didn't. So that was a bit strange. But yeah, the, the, the pair of them have uh, been uh, quite interesting to watch and it, uh, it seems that there is little room for patience in Formula One now, just uh, not only with those teams, but uh, perhaps all the way around now. I mean, winning and, and scoring points is just such a huge, uh, and obviously, I mean, this is a, a huge understatement uh, that I'm about to make, but I mean, it's huge business. and I mean, the difference that a single point can make is literally, for, for some of these teams that are on the, the cusp, the bubble, the margins of Formula One, can really make the difference of of getting that um, that lucrative money that you can get from scoring points in the constructors championship, and uh, not being in in business. I mean, we look at uh, at Sauber. Was it Sauber last year or Manor Racing? No, it was Sauber, wasn't it? That sort of just Sauber missed out almost, on the points.
1: Yeah, uh, was it? I, I I forgot. It's too late. I forgot.
2: Yeah. Well, they just uh, kind of missed out on uh, on a single point, and it really makes a, a huge difference. And I mean uh, it it's it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's you know, millions and millions of dollars here or there. Oh, yeah, I remember which bar sounds like a yeah I remember British American like
1: Racing in their first year, what, two thousand and one or something? Two thousand and three, anyways. Yeah. First year of BAR, I remember how they they didn't get that one point. And basically if you have one constructor championships point, you get like your traveling expense or something like reimbursed or something. It's like hundreds of millions of dollars or back then it was that much. Now it's like it's Twenty or something, but still, that one point makes it a whole lot of difference.
2: Oh yeah, it's, it's huge. And uh, those costs, just transporting the cars and getting around the globe from track to track, is uh, is is a, a massive expense. I mean, we all think that uh, it, it's huge costs that just go into developing the cars, and of course that is. But there's also the the, the fact that they need to go from the factories to literally all four corners of the earth. And they can literally traverse back and forth, which I always think is just kind of weird here on a, just to go on a bit of a tangent, when you have these sort of different theaters that they go to throughout the year, they'll have like sort of an American portion and then an Asian portion, a European portion, but you have the Canadian Grand Prix kind of sandwiched in there between the Monaco and, and Spain. And it's it's just kind of funny how they kind of traverse back and forth. And somehow Montreal fits into the European portion of the schedule that's the the way that they hop around there because
1: montreal is a very european city right that's true that's That's why they want to put it in there that that is correct (laughs) so let's just talk about lewis hamilton for a second because uh, lewis hamilton himself labels 2017 as his hardest title in his f1 career is fourth is it true is it a recency bias do we forget that the dog days of McLaren it wasn't necessarily easy for him when he got those championship and the one with Mercedes yes it was a little easier and a big domination by the silver arrow uh, but let's not forget when he first started to come on the scene in 2007 it was not necessarily that easy in 2008 his first championship uh, wasn't a given as well is he right by saying 2017 is the hardest of his F1 career
2: well, I think he definitely makes a very good point if you look at uh, the the difference that uh, th- this st- season started. I mean, obviously, over the past uh, couple of months, Mercedes has been much more dominant uh, than uh, than Ferrari. I mean, Ferrari largely defeated themselves. I mean, it's a combination of lack of lo- reliability. They had problems with some of the errors that their drivers made, and they just uh, lacked the pace uh, at, at, at certain points. But if you go back, I think, uh, as far as uh, Australia, I think that Ferrari really surprised a lot of people and just coming right out of the gate with all this speed and were able to to really, you know, I, I think beat Mercedes at their own game. And of course, uh, Sebastian Vettel winning that first uh, first race was completely unexpected. And then it basically went back and forth. You had Vettel winning one race and Hamilton and then Vettel again, then Bottas won in one in between there. And it really went like that basically up until the summer break, and then it's really turned around for Ferrari after that. They came back uh, at Spa, and obviously they just weren't quite good enough to match up uh, with uh, Ferrari, and then it just got worse from there. And Mercedes, uh, all credit to them, I mean, they clearly were just a little bit behind Ferrari at the beginning of the season, and for them, I, I think that Monaco was just a real rude awakening because you had Ferrari that's that that won that one, and well, th- I mean there was that controversy of uh, team orders and and with uh, uh, with uh, Raikkonen and Vettel and all that, but still, it was it was they were just not really anywhere in contention for that one. But they went away from that, that race and they worked hard over the next couple of weeks and they came back to, to Canada and they were much stronger. and they I, I think right then when we saw in Canada Lewis tying Ayrton Senna's uh, career best pole positions, then winning the race, setting track records, the I think the gauntlet had really been thrown down. So I, I know that we really focus on the latter half of the season, specifically after... Uh, the, uh, the the Italian Grand Prix that is you know where Ferrari's problems started. but I think the indications were as f- there as far back as Canada, even though that uh, that's Sebastian Vettel did manage to win the Hungarian Grand Prix, but of course he managed to do the the, the wise thing or got the, the the good fortune of being in front of everybody else and dodgy steering notwithstanding that's just what he needed to stay in front. And since then, I mean, he hasn't been on the top step of the podium. And where Ferrari was kind of going back and forth with Mercedes, it's been Mercedes and and Red Bull, and specifically Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, that have won all the races since the summer break. Mostly Lewis, but uh, Max has won a couple there as well.
1: Yeah, well, uh, to be be quite fair, I'm actually surprised by the amount of wins Max Verstappen got in 2017. Uh, If you look at all the bad luck that he had all season long, He was actually able to get a lot of points in the last few months to uh, make a decent season and be quite a challenge for his teammate, at least, in the battle for points for both Rebels. But I just want to touch on one thing, Mark. We made it almost 20 minutes into the show without talking about the big bombshell that came out last (laughs) week with the big threat by Sergio Marchione that maybe if... Plans stay the same for the 2021 engine plans. Maybe Ferrari will quit Formula One altogether.
2: Well, that that's interesting, and uh, of course, uh, well, I mean, Marquioni has uh, mentioned that, and then um, Bernie Ecclestone, former F1 supremo, has kind of underlined that and, uh, and echoed that uh, sentiment, which kind of really seems like a typical Ferrari move. You know, uh, you know, Formula One, of course, is. Just about as much as politics as uh, as it is what happens on and off the track in the in regards to the the development of the cars and the racing and all that as well. But it the reading between the lines, it just seems to me that although I, I like the 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 suggestions and some of the pr- proposals that they have, which is a uh, the the 1.6 V6 uh, turbo lead or sorry the 1.6 liter V6 turbo hybrid higher revving engines so 300 or sorry not 300 3 rpms higher revs to improve the speed range and improve the sound which is everybody's complained about since these uh, new hybrid turbos were introduced in 2014. they want to make them simpler they want to make them less complicated so there would be no mguh and a more powerful mguk so you know i i like the ideas behind them but basically if you read between the lines that if the new uh, engine rules for post 2020 are not in a format that Ferrari really really think that are going to benefit them, then they're basically going to walk away, which I think yeah. is uh, kind of interesting. Because if you hear, say, Christian Horner from Renault, or sorry, not Renault, but uh, Red Bull, they're happy. He's been quite. They're quite happy with the uh, the the
1: proposals. Yeah, because it leaves the yeah. door for Aston Martin to build their own engine and to give it to Red Bull. That's the whole plan. You cut costs in the engine building, you have more manufacturers or at least more companies building F1 engine and that's why Ferrari might quit or at least threatens to quit is you undercut, you undermine their advantage that they have with the knowledge and resources to build engine by putting restrictions in there and then they cannot take advantage of being Ferrari to build a Ferrari. They can't take advantage of the fact that they have a better know-how, money, and a better assembly line, basically, to create engines. They can't take advantage of it because there's going to be a cap on cost an engine if things stay the same for 2021.
2: Yeah, and I think it's, uh, like I say, I think it's a sort of a typical Ferrari move, and they, they might just use their whole... Well, their their whole history in Formula One and just the clout that uh, Ferrari it's, has to it's to get things that are yeah, it, it, it's all posturing, I think. Yeah, and just trying to get some more favorable circumstances that that they want. What about the rest of the teams? Or, what
1: about the other nine teams? What about them? Maybe it's better <laughs> for them to have a, a more open paddock, like a more open engine, like. Your regulations to make sure there's more competitive engine than just the Mercedes and the Ferrari engine, you know if you make it in mm-hmm. the fact that you can't spend too much on engine development and you have to keep it the engine at a certain amount of cost whatever whatever how they they get to it, if it's more streamlined to make an engine and you have a Aston Martin the Porsche or other companies that are looking into the possibilities of building engine even the the american companies are starting to be like well you know what if 2021 comes around and we agree with the regulation why not you you want the why nots you don't want the nah you want teams to come in you don't want teams to come out right
2: well that's the thing and the more teams and uh, more manufacturers that are there just makes it more competitive and just makes uh, a more I think a, a better environment for for the sport because like you say, like right now, the, the two real big uh, engines that uh, manufacturers that are out there are Ferrari and are Mercedes. And of course, if you have anybody that uh, doesn't uh, have their own engines and they're looking to buy customer engines, then of course everybody's going to put their hands up uh, for Mercedes when they're asked, which engine would you rather have? I mean, they obviously have the power. I mean, Look at uh, so many times this year. Like, look at the uh, the Williams FW40, which is obviously a car that is really disappointed. But they just don't have the speed in the corners. But you've seen that sometimes when you get a guy that's stuck behind Lance Stroll or Felipe Massa, might be really close up to them in the in the more technical, the slower parts, the twistier parts of the circuit. But once you get back onto the longer, faster stretches those Mercedes engines just give the, uh, the the extra legs to the Williams cars and they're able to pull out those gaps. And that's why you see cars getting stuck behind guys like that for a long period of time. But, you know, it, it would be, I, I think, a more competitive environment. I think largely the new regulations this year that we've seen have worked. I mean, you look at the, the number of drivers that have won races this year. I mean, you, you have, I think, a lot more than in previous years. Of course, it's not really spread beyond the, the, the three usual sp- suspects that you could say. But I, I think that at the beginning of the year, I don't think, uh, like I was saying earlier, I don't think anybody expected Vettel to go out and win in Australia. And then it kind of went back between him and him, himself and uh, Lewis Hamilton. Then you had Bottas in there. Ricardo surprisingly wins one in Azerbaijan. And then you have Max Verstappen throwing his hat into the ring there as well. I mean, it would have been nice to see Kimi Raikkonen be able to really challenge more for race wins. I think that's obviously why he was very ticked off, to say the least, in, in Monaco when there was that whole question about the, uh, the the pit stop orders and the Ferrari tactics on uh, on that day. But it would be a, a great thing to see. But just to, I know I'm sort of going on here a little bit. You were saying there's this rumor that perhaps Porsche has uh, bought Red Bull. That would be interesting because... There are, are these uh, rumors or these uh, suggestions that because Aston Martin is going to be their title sponsor next year, that that is kind of leaving the door open for them to either take over Red Bull or start their own works team or an engine program. So been yeah, a very, has been, very interesting rumor.
1: Uh, uh, the engine program has been very heavily rumored for Aston Martin. And let's just put it this way. There were some hires of people with engine experience in Aston Martin and in the team with Red Bull. So, like, it's it's a very, very not well-kept secret that Aston Martin might be the fallback option for Red Bull in 2021 with the lack of other terms because sooner rather than later, Renault will be like, you know what, our engine's so good, we'll keep it for ourselves and ta-ta. And eventually, you'll have maybe... Uh, other options depending of 2021 and if it's 2020 before because red bull might need that one year but that's one thing for the future uh, mark it's been a few weeks we didn't do a show and we're not going to dwell on the next few races too because while the driver's championship is decided the constructors championship has been decided as well what i'm asking you mark is there's two races left in this season What gets you excited? What are you going to watch for in those two races? Is there anything different now that we know who is winning both titles that you would expect for, or at least that you would pay attention to in a race?
2: Well, I think it sets up a lot of things uh, for next year, and I I think that it will be interesting to see, uh, number one, how Ferrari finishes the year. Uh, Sebastian Vettel says that uh, that they want to finish the year in a manner that uh, that they deserve. So I think uh, he's going to be very motivated to go out there and uh, and and win those last two races. And Lewis Hamilton just being Lewis Hamilton, I think is not going to go out there and cruise around for the last two races even though he has been crowned world champion. I think that uh, after especially what happened at uh, Baku at the beginning of the summer, when uh, when Vettel did that uh, that whole bizarre wheel smashing incident after he thought that uh, Hamilton brake tested him behind the, the the safety car, which was not the issue, I think that uh, that has really put uh, a fire in uh, in Hamilton's uh, belly. That I, I don't think that he's uh, he he doesn't want to see a situation where he's going to lose to Sebastian Vettel. I think that he wants to do everything he can just to remind Vettel who the best is. And uh, and Lewis Hamilton is the best. I mean, he's got just as many world championships under his belt as Sebastian Vettel does. And uh, he's got the, the the better of the two cars. And I think that Lewis will really want to underline that. Also, Mercedes is going to be trying out uh, new design concepts uh, for 2018 in the last two races of the year. So that'll be interesting to see what they're, they're going to implement into the car and, and how that may affect uh, the performance of the, F, uh, the, the w08s either for the better or for the worse of course the other uh, topic that hasn't really been uh, discussed uh, very much over the past uh, several weeks is uh, lewis hamilton's teammate um the valtieri bottas of course uh, he only had a one-year deal with an option for 2018 for mercedes and I don't know. I mean, he's really backed off. He really hasn't been as good as uh, as his teammate has <laughs> since know, the summer break. So, I mean, that could be a question of maybe Mercedes putting all their eggs in one basket and really focusing on, uh, on, on Lewis. But, I mean, in this day and age, uh, I think it really when, seems...
1: When Valtteri realized that, yeah, I'm driver number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't said it openly, but, yeah, I'm treated as driver number two. I'm driver number two. And, well... Before long, I'll start acting like driver number two. But the thing is
2: now, I mean, you look at the situation that they had, sometimes a toxic situation between Hamilton and Nico Rosberg over the past several years. But the thing was, I mean, Nico did win quite a lot of races when he was a Mercedes driver. And, of course, he won a world championship, not as many as a, as his uh, former teammate Lewis Hamilton. But if you look at what, uh, what, what Valtteri Bottas has done has he done enough to deserve that seat again in 2018 and if not who do you give that drive to that uh, that that's a great question i mean is there anybody else out there at the moment in formula one that would deserve that seat or is it just because you look at uh, different uh, different teams and different drivers around the grid and how basically everything is set does he just get that seat now by by default is there anybody better out there or do you think that they may look at a situation and, and, and let him go or not pick up that option for next year and then maybe bring up one of their, their younger drivers like a Pascal Verline who was sort of but not really in the conversation last yeah. year? and you know what?
1: The Verline uh, ship is sailing quite fast. He, he's not gaining anything by driving for Sauber.
2: No. The last no. two
1: years, like his reputation hasn't got any better. It actually got maybe a little worse. And his his future hasn't got brighter by driving for Sauber for two years.
2: No, it hasn't. But uh, is not um, Esteban Oca, also a Mercedes driver? I'm I'm not sure if he is. Yes, yes, yes. I can't remember yes, off is. the top of my head. So yes, I, I he mean, is. there's the possibility there. And I think he's done, had an excellent uh, season. Uh, I, I think that he's maybe flown under the radar a little bit. Of course, he got well, a couple of races he's and-
1: consistent. Like he's not going to finish top first every time, you know. But he's consistent. He'll be like eighth, seventh, sixth, fourth, once or twice, but then go back to seventh. Uh, but just consistent, like always there, reliable.
2: Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's a very good point that uh, that you, you bring up, Kevin. So I, I mean that is uh, another situation, and of course, I, I guess uh, you could uh, the the final thought that I have just to sort of round out this discussion in the last two races. Is this? Are we going to see more of the, the the status quo that we've seen over the past couple of months? Will uh, Will uh, Max Verstappen be able to win a couple here at the end of the season? Is is Ferrari going to be able to pick it up? Is uh, Ricardo going to maybe be able to find an answer to his teammates? So well, I, I mean, there are plenty of things uh, to 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 watch and get excited about. Of course, the big one that everybody really focuses on, of course, is the Drivers' World Championship, but. To think that just because there's there's two races left and and Lewis is the the world champion and there, there there's nothing nothing to watch, yeah you know I don't really uh, buy that at all. I think that uh, there's plenty of good things uh, to to keep in mind and and really watch over the past well over, not over the past but for the <laughs> last couple of weeks of the, yeah. the the year. I mean just think about it in three weeks from now, we'll be heading into the dark days of winter wow. and even winter testing is uh, <laughs> still a long ways off. So. It's been
1: uh, it's a long season when you look at it, but it I goes mean, quickly. It's a long it season quickly. that goes by quickly. You know, to to finish the show, Mark, I, I want to talk about one thing. You mentioned it earlier on. We have two four times world champion in Formula One right now, as we speak, active drivers, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, and this is a rivalry of the last few years, and it seems it's going to be the rivalry of the next few years as well. One thing that differentiate both. is, is at least Lewis Hamilton was able to win with two different teams. Meaning that he had to adjust, meaning he had to learn to win with different people, surrounded by different people. Yeah, some of them were the same, some of the engine people, and uh, working with McLaren Mercedes back then, were working with him and Mercedes. But Sebastian Vettel, woman rebel, never won with Ferrari yet.
2: Yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> it's one of those things, right? Uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I think for me, like Sebastian Vettel, I, I, I think that really let an opportunity slip. I, I think that's what we saw earlier this year at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, when he had that, uh, that lapse in, in, in judgments, it was just a really signaled, I think uh, just what was going on in his head. And uh, I mean, he had a great package. He had a great team around him when he was at uh, red bull. I mean, you would think that being at Ferrari and having all the resources and all the money that they have to to put a winning card together, it just seems kind of strange that uh, that he's been here, been there for a couple of years now, and uh, this is the closest that he's got to a, a world championship. So whether or not he'll be able to to get one while he's there, I mean, obviously he thinks that uh, that they're the team to be with. I mean. I don't, I don't think that uh, he really had another choice to go anywhere else after, after this year had he uh, not got a new deal done with, uh, with uh, Ferrari. So that's a, that's a great point and an interesting one. I think that uh, obviously Red Bull was a very successful time in, uh, in Vettel's career and uh, the the ferrari one yeah. still remains to be seen what happens so
1: was it all that- metal was it all the car it's it's tough to say and it's a question that it will is. be and you know that rivalry and we'll probably dissect that rivalry in the next few deck next few years you know for sure it's mm-hmm. one of the great ones for sure uh, but i think it's it's interesting to at least pointing out that Yes, Lewis has a lot of detractors because he doesn't necessarily do things the way our uncles would imagine a F1 driver should do things and sometimes go out more than we would go out. Or, But we're not him, and, well, it works for him. Who are we to yeah. judge him if it works for him?
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's kind of interesting, too, when you look at a guy that's won four world championships and uh, you have two of them that are currently racing in, in Formula 1 in Vettel and Hamilton that, that, uh, that Hamilton gets uh, these sort of plaudits uh, – thrown his way that he's one of the greatest of all time. And I haven't really heard that uh, mentioned about uh, Sebastian Vettel. And I mean, I mean, hands down, I mean, that rebel was
1: that good, Mark. I'm sorry. Just that rebel was that good.
2: It was. uh, I mean, those cars were excellent. But I mean, you have I mean, Lewis Hamilton is a special driver. There's there's no doubt about it. And uh, I mean, you take a guy like Lewis Hamilton and the talent that he has and you put him in a car like the Mercedes And even in a Mercedes that may be not the best compared to some of the other competitors out there, I mean, he's still going to get everything out of that car and more. And, I mean, when you get to him in that uh, Mercedes, when it is tuned and it is operating to its full potential, that is an unbeatable package. And, I mean, we saw for all those years when he was teammates with uh, Nico Rosberg just even how he was better than than, than Nico. I mean, you, you look over now over the course of the year that... Just how much better Hamilton is than uh, Valtieri Bottas. So I mean, uh, I, I think that's. I, I agree with you. I think that those Red Bulls that, that that Vettel had were really just that good. I mean, Vettel's a good uh, good driver, but I don't think he's the uh, the same class of uh, of ha- Hamilton. I think you have Hamilton. I think you have uh, Vettel just uh, a step or so behind, and then I think you have kind of everybody else after that. So
1: Yeah, there's a gap. Yeah. There's, a, there's a sustainable gap. There's a Verstappen-Ricardo. There's another gap, yeah. and there's a rest. Yeah,
2: yeah well, I think that uh, Verstappen is uh, definitely uh, proving that uh, he's, uh, he's getting closer to guys like uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, Lewis Hamilton. Is it too and early I mean, to
1: say that Verstappen will be world champion one day?
2: I, I mean, he sure looks like it. I mean, the, those uh, last several races, and especially the races that he's won in the past two months, I mean, the the, the guy's only just turned 20, and I mean... And he he's still being nice.
1: A, the, I think that's the one thing. He's still being nice now. If you yeah. jab him, he's going to jab you back in a press conference, right? If you make fun of him or if you're trying to bully him, like a Vettel did before, you know, it's like, what is this guy doing? What is he doing? <laughs> yeah, he, he's not taking it anymore, and he's yeah. standing his ground, and... Well, he he is now more confident too, and it's going to be dangerous if you're not Verstappen. If, if you're Verstappen, you're gonna win. If you're in Hamilton, you're looking at your rear mirror view your rear yeah, rear view mirror, and you're thinking, Yeah, that kid's going to be fast.
2: Well, especially if you get uh, a wet race like we saw in uh, China earlier this year. I mean I can't remember how many spots he made up on that opening lap after starting back on uh, further back on the grid. I mean, of course, everybody talks about Brazil last year, which was an absolutely epic drive by Verstappen, passing in any part of the circuit that he could and finding grip where nobody else could. I mean, that was absolutely phenomenal. And then, uh, of course, I mean, we've seen him just, I mean, he'll pass anybody, anywhere, anytime. And if you leave uh, even just a tire width extra that uh, gives uh, Verstappen what he thinks is going to be an opening to get around you, He's going to try, and nine times out of ten, he's going to be successful in doing so. Or he'll drive into the side of you and rupture your radiator like he did to his teammate <laughs> in uh, in Hungary. But, I mean, honestly, you don't see that all the time from uh, from Verstappen. I mean, I know he kind of uh, pushed uh, Nico Rosberg wide at uh, Turn 1 in Mexico last year, and, of course, he had that run-in with Ricardo at Hungary this year. But, I mean, he's an aggressive driver, and, uh, I mean, if he gets a look, he's going to go for it. And I think that's why uh people love him i i mean that's what makes him an an exciting driver and i mean he's got the pace and like you say i think if you're lewis hamilton i think you're looking uh looking in your rearview mirror wondering what uh what's coming next and uh if if he could get a a car that's uh, similar to uh to 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 hamilton i mean there'll be fireworks because i think max is a guy just kind of like lewis that even if he's not in the greatest car he'll be able to get uh performance and speed out of it that uh, that nobody else could i think he's one of those special kind of drivers as well
1: Mark, to finish the show, as always, where can the listener found where can the listeners find you?
2: They can find me on Twitter at Mark Daily, and that is daily with an L E Y. If they want to follow up to what we're up to on the podcast here, that's at Scudria F1 Pod. And they can download the podcast in audio form everywhere where podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Google Play, all those good places. And, of course, we're on YouTube streaming live, which is about time. And it's awesome.
1: Yeah, we're live on YouTube. And you can find the videos on Facebook as well on the page of the Sports Podcasting Network. You can find us on Twitter at SportsPodNet and myself at Kev Laramie. And, Mark, as always, until next time, hopefully in the next week and a half, two weeks, probably. As always, have a great Formula One.
0: Thanks for listening to the Skidaria F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.
1: You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com